It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets, and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds, and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author, and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. Hi everybody and welcome to another one of our Passion to Succeed podcast shows. Uh, It's Craig White here and I'm really excited to be bringing to you a really inspiring guest, someone that's um, had an impact on my journey of personal development through discovering some of this guy's books. I'm really excited to bring this guy over here today. And um, one of the reasons for our, our Passion to Succeed show and the community that we're creating, we're really creating an empowering environment and you know, from those of you who have really been involved in our shows, you understand that it really does take all of us to make every one of us successful. And this is the idea to really bring to you some mindsets of, of entrepreneurs, passionate and, and millionaire minds from all over the globe that can help you raise your beliefs and, and raise your game to really believe in the possibilities that lie within you, around you and before you. So let me introduce our guest. And, you know, our, our guest, uh, the first book that, that I stumbled across uh, was, was a magnificent book, The Zen of MLM. Uh, more recently, huh. the, the, the Go-Giver, um, uh, co-written by a wonderful guy called Bob Berg. And we, we've had a show with Bob previously, The Go-Giver Leader. Uh, and, and for those of you who have read The Slight Edge, I hadn't realized uh, initially that it was co-authored by this amazing guy. So please give her a, 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 a really, really grateful, I guess, John, to, to welcome you to our show. So please welcome John David Mann. Craig, what a pleasure to be here. You are the very first host of a show ever to, to mention the Zen of MLM. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> hey, well, you know, my, my, my personal development journey, um, you know, starts sort of 17 years ago when I stumbled into the, 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 the MLM and the direct selling industry. And it was a, a business I've become really passionate about. And um, really, it's what cultivated, I guess, my appreciation for um, people and, and personal development and, and reading that book. Wow, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm not sure. It's years, it feels like years ago. You know, we're on a journey, John, aren't we? But it was a, a wonderful <laughs> book, and it really did bring a different insight and, I guess, a, a, an outlook onto onto that particular industry. So, John, wow. you're 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 based in in New England, I believe, at the moment. Yes, yes. Speaking uh, uh, old England to New England, yeah. I am in uh, st- uh, Western Massachusetts. Fantastic, and. Um, you, uh, you're, you're, you're not from there originally. I know we were talking earlier. It's uh, an area from where your wife's from. Where, are you, where are you from originally? Yeah, my father is from uh, from Europe, from Germany. Actually, he came over here during the war. My mom is a you know multi generation American. So I grew up in the state of New Jersey, wow. and more or less in the state of confusion. <laughs> Brilliant. Moved, I hope, northward in both senses of the word uh, to to Massachusetts to marry my wife which was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. And, uh, and so here I am. Oh, fantastic. So, John, you've become a, a very successful author, and, and I really want to delve into a little bit of your entrepreneurial career and, and really kind of set a platform for our listeners to understand, I guess, the, the passion that you've had to almost com- contribute from an early age um, and make, yes. it, make an impactful difference, which I really believe you've done, certainly to me and, and certainly you know, worldwide. I mean, you've sold over uh, 2 million copies of books. I believe your, your books are printed in, in over a, two dozen languages. H- how many books have you written to date, John? 
Uh, I've written over two dozen. I, I don't know the exact number, 24, 25, 26, something like that, 27. It, it's, um, and the thing is, and your numbers are correct. I've sold over 2 million copies, over 24 languages. I, this was all by accident, or at least it was not by original intent. I'd never set out, or let's say I didn't originally set out to become an author. That was not my career plan. It was not my life design. Um, so yeah, you know, how I got here is, is kind of a twisty, turning story, but you're absolutely right. It does start, and it did start with a passion that I had from a very early age to, yeah, for, for lack of a, of a longer phrase, to change the world. I, I've always wanted to have an impact on sort of on people's happiness and on the on the state of the planet, state of the of, of human of humankind. It's it's just always always been there since I was a teenager. Joe, I, I really do share that, and that sits really well with me. I mean, that the hairs on my arms are just standing up with you. You mentioning that because I think for me, I think if more people had this kind of outlook in life, um, we could really create a ripple effect of change. And mm. when, when I when I look back at I guess something that really inspired me with yourself, John, and we'll, we'll get kind of fast forward, I guess, in a moment to your writing. And I want to discuss this exciting new book that you've got coming out um, and also a little bit about The Go-Giver, if we may. Um, yes. But um, at age 17, you and your friends, and I need, to, I need to work out and discover where this idea come from, because, you know, how many 17-year-olds or people in their teens are, are looking at or even considering um, what you managed to succeed in. And at age 17, yourself and a few friends, I believe actually started your own high school in New Jersey, which successfully, and this is what's fascinating, successfully saw kids being placed in, in both Yale and Harvard, which, you know, for those of us outside of the United States, everyone's heard of Yale and Harvard, so understands the, the prestige of getting into them universities and, and campuses, etc. Where did that, that idea, where was it born from? How did it come about and how did you make it happen? <laughs> yes, well, um, that's all true. Uh, the, 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 the Yale graduate or the Yale uh, student was, was my girlfriend at the time and the Harvard was, was a guy who was in her. And uh, we got Princeton and we got some state universities. Yeah, so where that came about, um, two places. I had gone to a little private school, a very sort of artsy, uh, art-centered, creative little place um, for, for many years. My mother taught there. She was a school teacher. She taught Greek mythology and history and English and so forth, but, but really her passion was storytelling and Greek mythology. And I went there for many years. And then I and many of my friends graduated from, it only went up to certain grades, so then we went on to public schools. And we're really just not satisfied and not happy with our schooling. Uh, we, we felt like we're just kind of marking time in sort of mediocre buildings with mediocre classes and mediocre teachers and just kind of wasting a couple of years until we would get out and not really learning anything. And we wanted to learn. We wanted to study stuff. We were like hungry. So we kind of got together one day and just in the way that, kids do said you know what would it be like what would it be like if we started our own school and a couple of kids uh, just decided to take that question seriously and I, I i got involved like the second weekend and heard about this and we started talking week after week after week we'd meet on weekends and talk about it and the glory of it was that a few of us had parents who took us seriously and encouraged us and instead of saying ah don't be ridiculous just do your homework and go to school 
we had parents who actually said, keep talking and, and, and encouraged us and fed us and nourished us. And so we, we decided to take it seriously and said, let's, let's do this. Let's start a school. One of the first decisions we made was that we needed an adult <laughs> to, <laughs> to help. Uh, so we didn't descend into the Lord of the Flies. Uh, <laughs> and so we, we, uh, we actually set out interviewing. We, we interviewed a handful of candidates, maybe a half dozen in all, fascinating people all. We found a man that I, I've written about him on my blog a number of times and uh, who is 90 uh, as we speak today. I just had a letter from him recently. Wonderful man. And he, he, we hired him. We hired him for the grand salary of zero. Wow. And he came on and lived at one of our, of our homes and worked with us for, for six months and got the thing going. And, and we started and ran it. I graduated and I went back and I was a teacher there for a year. And that was, uh, that was, and what that showed me was not only that you can do what you set out to do, and not only that, you know, like Mary Kay said about the bumblebee, it flies because it doesn't know it's impossible yeah. for it to fly. It also showed me something interesting. Uh, uh, you mentioned the Yale and Harvard thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody told us you can't. You, you, it's fine. You can get the school going, but your graduates are going to are going to be crippled, handicapped. They're not going to be able to get into 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 good colleges. We believed that colleges would look at the individual and their record and be impressed with what they'd done, and you know it was true. Um, so here here I am. We're, we're talking about my twenty four plus books. I've had New York Times bestsellers. I've I've sold over two million books. I never went to college. I don't have a degree. And what that, what that experience showed me was genuine real world qualification matters more than degrees, credentials, and the imprimatur of, of what somebody else says you can do. Yes. Mason, you know, the more, the more I, I talk with, you know, individuals like yourself and, and, have the opportunity to create these these podcast shows and share with the world, the more I realize that, you know, there's nothing that really gives anyone an excuse or stops anyone from achieving, you know, big dreams. And, and I guess this shows yeah. really to raise people's game and, you know, to go into the world and, you know, uh, and, and from a small idea, forge something so magnificent. And I guess it's that environmental encouragement that's so important as well from your parents, because, you know, a lot yes. of people, you know, that society and, and, um, and conditioning that you know we go through is really important. So to have that wind beneath your wings, uh, yeah. I guess, but it, yeah. it just shows that when you've got a passion for something and almost a, a childlike wonder for the world to not be beaten and to, to keep going, you can do something so magnificent. How how long did the, the is the, did the did you did the school run for? Is it still running? What, how did it? It ran for about a decade. I was there, as I say, the first year, and I was there, I graduated. I went right back the following year as a teacher. So, you know, my total experience in the school operation was two years, and then I moved on to the rest of my life. And it ran for about a decade, and then finally, it, it you know, it, it wound down. The original generation left, and and so forth, as these things do. It ran its cycle, mm -hmm. um, but there's a uh, you know, it had a huge impact on 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 all of our lives. And and you know, you mentioned the supportive environment. You know, I was very fortunate in that I had parents who were incredibly supportive and who told me that, that I could, you know, do whatever I want to do, who really believed in me. And I now, they're both gone now, but I have their voice in my head and I've always had their voice in my head. I, and I understand that not everybody has those parents. And that's, that's a fact. What I think everyone needs is that voice in their head. Now, in my case, it came from my parents. In many other people's case, you might have to build that voice yourself. 
it might have to come from other places. That's why reading great literature and reading such positive, you know, positive books and so forth, like The Slight Edge and what have you, reading things that, that help to, to feed and, and build that voice in your head is, is, uh, is so important. But wherever it comes from, friends, the friends you choose, the teachers you choose, the colleagues you choose, the associates, the co- wherever it comes from, you need that voice in your head. And that's, and I guess that's why we're here today because we're we're looking yes. to offer that voice and and I guess you we, offer that yeah and why you're why you're looking you know we're looking into your how your life then folded out and and continues to develop with your your journey of you know influence and having impact it's that opportunity people now get to choose to positively influence themselves on choice by going on a yeah. journey of personal development and as you said reading great books. Um, that can raise people's expectations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really with you there. And, and what, what's fascinating, I really sort of came into your, your life's journey then, because I'm fascinated to see how the transition went from, um, you know, just to share with our listeners, really, because you've had a varied career and life and journey. You know, at one point, you you was, a, I believe, a, a concert a cello player. This is a connect yes. terminology, but you was also a prize-winning composer. So, so how did the, the transition go from a young teen to, you know, being the part of, you know, I guess, um, you know, starting your own high school, which is just magnificent, to becoming a, a prize winning composer and then turning to, to business journalism and writing a book? Because there's a transition there. And is there anything yeah. that in your mind jumps out? Was it just you following your passions, John? Or, you know, tell us. Oh, it was it was exactly that following the passions more than talent I think it, it's um, the the music came sort of naturally with the package my father was a choral conductor and musicologist my mother was a musician and music teacher and um, my, my older brother has been a classical musician all his life as his career that was going to be my career um, I was composing at the age of 13 and 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 playing cello by the time that we started the school i was already cello and composing was already happening it was after the school that i i um i was pursuing my career my musical career and i just became dissatisfied with that life i loved the music but i didn't love that career i wasn't in love with that career i i I wanted to contribute more directly to people's health and and to the quality of their life and I got very involved in nutrition and whole foods and I spent many years in the macrobiotic world in Boston and um, you know that took me out of everything else I was doing for a decade and it was in the process of doing that um, which I was completely and totally engaged in fanatically engaged in but I didn't stay there Um, in in that career there were always newsletters and little magazines and things that were pieces of writing that needed help, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I was always kind of the guy who would edit them. Okay. Um, I had I had academic parents, you know, who published for a living, and so I I did spend a lot of years moonlighting as an editor. I, I went from the the whole nutrition and health thing into uh, it was a natural transition to marketing, network marketing, direct selling that world because it was a natural foods infused world. And so I spent a decade there. I was very successful there. It was kind of a, a weird thing because I, I don't have a business background. I had not a business bone in my body, but um, it was, as you know, all too well, Craig, the, natu- the, the direct selling world is really more, that skill set is more about teaching than it is about business and selling. Yes. 
um, teaching and training. And so I was very happy there teaching and training. But again, that wasn't really where I was going to stay for my life. It was it was a chapter um, that allowed me to kind of stretch some, some additional wings. But the the common thread and all of that was was words was writing. Um, and I have always been in love with words. And and that that really that's where I didn't know it. But that's where I was headed. So this whole writing books thing has only been the last decade or so, 12, 12 years or so. Wow. So in the last 12 years, you've really, really created some, some magnificent books. Can I, can I ask you, what was, your, what was the first book that, that you wrote and, and published on? The first book that I wrote really was the go-giver, although it didn't get published first. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I had ghostwritten a few things. I, I had worked with other people's stuff. I'd done a few things with the direct selling world and this. But but the first book that I, real book that I that I wrote with Bob Berg is the go-giver. It was rejected by over a dozen publishers. It took us more than a year to rewrite it and, and you know, finally find its way to light. Meanwhile, I wrote another book called You Call the Shots, which was the sto- life story of a young 19-year-old entrepreneur who was, he was sort of in business, what, what I was in education, wonderful, wonderful kid, great story. But The Goal Giver was the first book, um, and, and it was really what what sparked my my current career. It was what sparked and cemented my current career. It's still been my most successful book. Um, so yeah, that's that's been the the anchor of my of my career. Well, I think you know, uh, you know, from from our listeners' perspective, we 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 had a show with your co-author Bob Berg, um, yeah, uh, a couple of months ago now, and you know, I think that that book has really created a, a almost a movement and a, and a community of people, I guess, learning them them philosophies within the Go Giver book and. You know, it's amazing. I, I, the first time, it's amazing how you come across people. And I met an amazing guy in the gym. We just got to start. We started talking, uh, John, and um, we were on the treadmills. And we just started having a, a really random conversation. And people seem to come into your life. And we're talking about Jim Rowan and Dr. Wayne Dyer and just forged a really great friendship. And um, the guy is re- just a really nice, genuine, warm guy. And he recommended The Go-Giver to me some time ago now. And I downloaded it on a on an audio, and I used to listen to it while I was in the gym. And it's amazing that I think sometimes you forget because you start living by what the beliefs that you build. And you know, through the Go Giver and, and many other books on my personal development journey, it kind of forged some attitudes and philosophies that I then continue to live by, or even be more focal on and more focused on. And um, it, it's amazing how impactful The Go-Giver has been on me. So I'm very grateful. And I know I've, I've recommended and shared that to, to thousands of people prior to doing the show with Bob Berg. So you, you obviously you've co-authored with Bob Berg, Brandon Webb, Daniel Burroughs, Jeff Olson, John Addison. Again, a lot of these books are focused on leadership and, and success principles. And, Obviously, you, it must really be raising your own energy when you're when you're writing about these. You must be bouncing off the ceiling sometimes. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I do. I do love it. I do. Uh, leadership has always been something that has fascinated me. Um, you know, since the early days of starting the high school, and you know, my father, as I said, was a choral conductor, and I can't think of a, of a of a of an activity or a profession that more exemplifies leadership. You stand up. And you wave your hands, and a hundred people do stuff. 
Yeah. And they have to do it right. And you and, and they do it right because they're watching you. <laughs> so I guess I grew up watching leadership in action. Do you know, it, it, thinking about that go-giver book, and, and from what you were saying, it's crazy. And it reminds me of so many stories of success. But to, to have 12 publishers turn down the go-giver, knowing how, from my own you know, beliefs and, and what I feel about the book, how, it's almost like, how could somebody turn down something so, so impactful? Okay, it was, it was by the time we got there, it was 21. Okay. Because we first, first we had something like a dozen. I, I, I wrote this in a blog post last year, so I have all the accurate numbers there. But it was roughly a dozen. Um, turned it down, and and then our agent took it back and said, you know, maybe we need to rethink this. And we took a look at it, and we, we and you know, those those dozen people were right. The book wasn't ready. Um, we spent nine months really looking at it, revising it. Every page was covered with red ink. We did more subtraction than addition. Simplified and simplified and improved. We threw out the last chapter and wrote a whole new last chapter. We changed one character from the character Rachel in The Go-Giver was originally a guy named Raphael. I mean, we okay. changed we changed his gender. We did we did a a, a, a gender reassignment surgery on that character. <laughs> uh, you know, we did a lot of a lot of revision on that book, and then went back to New York. We felt it was ready, and then it was re- rejected by another dozen. Okay. Uh, until finally, it it uh, you know Adrian Zakheim the publisher at Portfolio, and, and I just talked to Adrian on the phone yesterday. What a wonderful man. And he said, I want that book. And he was right. He wanted that book. And the book wanted him. So, Brilliant. so but, but, so I want to say, fast forward to the book that you mentioned, the recipe that's about to come out. The recipe is publishing, writing the recipe is a little bit like starting that high school because this is a whole new thing. This one also got rejected by more than two dozen publishers, actually more than 40 publishers, until the 41st, who also said no. (laughs) There never was a publisher at the end of that story. There's no punchline to the story. We never got that publisher at the end who finally said yes. Um, No one said yes. And so we were faced with three choices. One, we could try to completely rewrite it and make it into a different story that a publisher would say yes to. Didn't like that idea. Number two, we could just put it in the shelf and say, oh, well. Or number three, we could roll up our sleeves and say, okay, we'll publish it ourselves. And and that is sort of like starting a high school as a 17-year-old because it's not my experience. It's not my skill set. I don't have the time. I don't have the budget. I don't have the knowledge. It, this is like... So that's what we're doing. We're we're doing the bumblebee thing, and you know, and, and as you and I speak, I have. Will it be successful? I have no idea. I, I believe so, but we won't know for a fact until October when it's when it's out. October the seventeenth, this uh, this book comes out, which we, which which I really want to discuss with you actually. Um, but the the story that you've just shared, both on the Go Giver and, and the recipe, there's a there's an entrepreneurial story there for for every small business owner, for every direct seller, for every budding entrepreneur, for everyone, anyone that's passionate about achieving anything, whether it's even learning a new language or, or running the, the London or New York marathon, there's a, there's a story of never, never giving up to what you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's another side to it too, which I think it's, you know, I think part of the story that's really important is, you know, we all know the stories about Colonel Sanders being turned down, I don't know, 80 times or whatever it was. And Chicken Soup for the Soul was rejected, you know, 5 million times or what. We've, we've heard these stories. Edison tried a thousand times to invent the light bulb. 
And the moral that we usually take from those stories is just don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. You're right. The world is wrong. So just don't listen to the critics. Stick to your guns. Follow your passion. Follow your dream. It'll work out in the end. But it's not that simple in my view because, like I said, those first dozen people, publishers who said the go, who, who rejected the Go-Giver, they were right. Yes. If, if they had published the Go-Giver the way it was, I can promise you, Craig, you would have never heard of it. Well, uh, because it wasn't it wasn't ready. It wasn't good. Um, and, and so sometimes the thing is that sometimes your critics are right, or at least there's something in what they're saying that is right. You know, I, I think that one of the secrets I, I know this for a fact, actually, one of the secrets to being a good writer is to be open to qualified critique. And it's the same thing for an entrepreneur. You know, you may have an, an idea for business and you want, you look, go looking for funding and investor after investor after investor says, yeah, I like the idea, but no, nah, I think not. And you wonder, what's wrong with these people? Well, maybe that's not what's wrong with these people. Maybe they're seeing something in your, in your plan that's flawed. And so it, I think it's, that, it's that, that delicate combination of, on the one hand, passionately believing in yourself and your vision and what, and what you have in your hand but at this and not letting the world you know cut you down not listening to the dream stealers not letting people cut your dream to ribbons but at the same time understanding that there are people around you who know you better than you know yourself and there are people out there who can see things about your your beauty your child that you can't see um, and so you know we didn't just say well the heck with all these publishers we're going to publish the recipe ourselves we rewrote and rewrote and rewrote. I, and I've given it to a, now a circle of readers, about 175 advanced readers have read the book. Um, you know, so we, we yeah, you, you have to, you have to partner with the world. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, lo I love that, that, that little phrase you just shared, that you have to be open uh, yeah. to a qualified critic um, yeah. and while still having your passion and will to succeed and, and take on the world, you need to be open for change yes. because yes. how we change is how we succeed, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, so let, let's, let's, let's talk about this new book, uh, The Recipe, that, that's out on the, the 17th of October. I believe it's, uh, it's on pre-sale now. So people yes. can get that. Is it from, from pre-sale on is it Amazon or is it on your website, John? Where, where will people find that? It's everywhere. It's an okay. Amazon. It's everywhere. Um, we have a, a, a pre-sale, sort of a, a pre-order bonus offer going at the website, uh, is name is theingredientsofgreatness.com. Theingredientsofgreatness.com. We'll make sure that's on our website. So, so talk to me because you're uh, talk to me about how you managed to come to co-author a book with with uh, Chef Charles Carroll, who is a an eight-time culinary Olympic Olympian. Um, so, how, how did how did this come about? Because you've had some amazing um, opportunities to co-author with some great people. How how did it come about to co-author with with an Olympian? Yeah, this is wild. Um, I, I never expected to write books with a Navy SEAL sniper. I never I never expected to write books with a with a uh, Olympic chef. Yeah. Um, so that came about in a very simple way. The the Go Giver had been out for a year or so, and I got an email one day from this person I'd never heard of. Uh, I said, my name is uh, Charles Carroll. I'm the executive chef of this exclusive country club in Houston, Texas. Uh, it's one of the busiest country clubs in the nation. And I use the Go-Giver in, in, with my team. I have 75 employees. We have three kitchens and five restaurants. 
We produce, we put on some 800 banquet events per week. Wow. And I use the Go-Giver as a management tool. I teach it to my staff. And um, I, I'd, I'd love to uh, have you come out and give a talk about it. And so I did. He flew me out to Houston and I gave a talk to his people. And uh, while I was there, he said, you know, I have this idea for a story. <laughs> so as you, can, as you can imagine, I've heard that sentence before. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, I have this idea for a story. My favorite moment in the movie Shakespeare in Love is the moment when, when young Will Shakespeare is taking a, in disguise, is taking a, a ferry boat across the river to try to go sneak a visit to, uh, to his love. And, and the, the guy who's, who's paddling the boat says, Oh, I got a uh, script myself here. I've got the time. That's on the screenplay. He's hoping Will will take a look at it. It's like, oh my god! It, like, not just Hollywood. It's everywhere. Everyone has a screenplay in their back pocket. Brilliant. So yeah, I have an idea for a story, says Charles, and uh, and he told me the idea, and I was immediately hooked. I loved it. I loved the idea. First off, it was the idea of combining personal growth with with cooking. Uh, appealed to me because I love cooking. My wife and I love to cook. My mom was a wonderful cook. So uh, I'm no expert. I'm no Olympic chef, but I love the idea. Um, The story, you know, there are a lot of parables out there. And you'll hear in the business world, a lot of really accomplished, wonderful business people will tell you, I hate parables. Um, we got a, a, an endorsement on the back of the Go-Giver Leader from Mark Sanborn, lovely writer who wrote The uh, Red Factor, wonderful, wonderful man, great speaker. And Mark's, Mark's par- endorsement, this is not word for word, but basically what Mark says is, I hate parables, but I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> not quite that bad, but that's, that's the truth, though. A lot of people, I've heard many times, I hate parables, but I, but I like The Go-Giver. That's because there are a lot of parables out there that are are... are Frankly, they are not very engaging as stories. They're not very compelling as narratives, as chronicles. They are thinly disguised lectures. They're like PowerPoints with some character names attached. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, the authors are well-meaning. And the authors can be wonderful people who have something great and valuable to teach. But when you're writing, so a parable is, is essentially this. A parable is a, a simple story that makes a point. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a fable if it's got animals. It's a parable if it's got people. So there you go. It, a parable is, is a fable with people. If you let the point you're making drive, this, drive the book, it's going to be boring as hell. Yeah. The characters have to drive it. The story has to drive it. It has to be a real story about real people that have real experiences, real failure, real loss, real disappointment, real pain, real struggle. That's the only way you have real achievement, real triumph, real overcoming. And so that's, you know, that for me, when, when Bob snagged me to write The Go-Giver, I, I like to say Bob Berg ruined my career <laughs> because I was on my way to Hollywood. My plan was to be a screenwriter. That's what I was working on at the time when Bob asked me if I'd write this book with him. So I was studying how to write screenplays, how to make a story come alive on the screen. The thing about the recipe this new book is it, it has it's based on seven principles although we didn't really know what the, what what they were when we started writing the book but fundamentally it's a story about love and loss it's a story about a young boy who's lost his dad his father's just died and who's really struggling with his life 
and, and he he crosses paths with this crusty old retired diner chef who who becomes the unlikely mentor. It's kind of like the Karate Kid, you know, mm-hmm. meet the master chef. And so the the, the chef who, who it turns out has more to him than meets the eye. Um, is is exemplary of a great mentor. He doesn't spout. He doesn't lecture. He doesn't push the kid around and tell him what to do. He he leads the boy in a process of self discovery. Um, so it, it's the experience of this poor fourteen year old boy who's struggling so much that really really just spoke to me. I love this idea. This is Charles's idea for the setup of the story. And so the idea of taking that basic idea and running with it, writing a narrative, I just I was in love with the idea, and I, I'm I'm really happy with with where it ended up going. Yeah, it's excited. I mean, we 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 actually we do have a, a show coming up with uh, with Chef Charles Carroll at some point in the future as well. We're just trying to trying to fix a date. He's traveling a lot, so I'm really excited about. It. And I think you know when you, you you're discussing there how you you really kind of you you you're writing with the characters in mind to bring the story alive. For me. I guess for, for people that are maybe stumbling across our show and certainly from my experience, I mean, one of the first books that I read um, after school was called The Greatest Networker in the World. Um, <laughs> and, and, and what what that did for me, John, and I'm sure you've read the book by, by John Milton Fogg, as, as many people have, but... I didn't read it. I, pr- I produced it. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. John, John, has said, John came to me one day and said, I have this idea for a book. And he, and he showed me a few pages. I said, God, John, you got to do this. This is great. So he fed me chapter after chapter and I typed it up and in, in my, or he typed it. I, I edited it in my little Macintosh and John and I were business partners at the time. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I laid out and designed the, the first edition of that and designed the cover and produced the book with, with John. And, and that was my introduction to parables. Fantastic, because that that book, and for me, I've become a believer that some people's introduction into personal development sometimes, and and more often than not, if they're not an avid reader, is to go through into that that arena, so to speak, through a parable, because that that book certainly brought me into a world of personal development. So um, it's amazing. I didn't know you had that connection. I mean, I did a show years ago with with John John Milton Fogg, and, and then he produced the the conversations with the greatest networkers in the world, which we were discussing about being a part of. And yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah. That's, that's just absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm even more grateful and pleased to have you online today. Okay. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Brilliant. So yeah, so I think, you know, having that parable and, and something like this, the, the recipe, and I'm thinking about a friend of mine that, that has a, 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 um, uh, a, a, a website all to do with cooking and recipes and although it's not personal develop I'm thinking what an opportunity to try and maybe tease these kind of people into this personal development world Um, because it's you know it's relevant Um, so is there one single key recipe at the heart of this book that yourself and and Charles have kind of brought together I mean you mentioned it's about loss and and, and love and and the ingredients of greatness but is there like a a key recipe at the heart of it there there actually is in, in sort of in two senses. I mean, there is there the chef has what he calls these rules for for the kitchen, uh, rules of the kitchen that that the boy learns through across the story. And in, in the very end of the book, um, the boy kind of ties them together in what he calls the recipe for for life. But 
and so that's kind of runs through the whole the whole book is, itself is sort of a blueprint or a recipe for for living a great life. But there also is a specific recipe, and it's it's what you see on the cover. Um, it's a recipe for oat blueberry pancakes. And it, one of the beautiful ironies of this is this recipe did not come from Chef Charles; it came from my wife. Um, she makes it every Sunday, and it's it's a recipe that the boy used to make with his father every Saturday, um, and it it it. It's special to the book because it's in the course of making this recipe that the father gives the boy a lesson that that proves to be the lesson that really that really matters most. So it's it's kind of a fun process of discovery through through the book. It really comes comes early in the book, but then it comes back again right at the end of the book with a, with new layers of meaning to it. Wow. I mean, I was going to ask you, John, did you? Um, you know, did you have to learn to, to cook all of these dishes yourself? I know you mentioned that you, you love cooking I did. And, and your wife, your, your wife loves cooking. I was thinking, did she, did she get involved and prompt you and push you in the right direction? But you, you know, she, I, she, uh, she didn't a lot of the, for most of the time that I was drafting the, the first draft of the manuscript and doing the real heavy lifting of the writing, I was alone. Um, we, we, I often do I go into seclusion for a couple of weeks and, uh, but I cooked it, I cooked it all. I was just compiling this morning, a set of snapshots I took of all these dishes. Cause yeah, all the cutting, all the dicing, all the peeling, all the cooking, the, the crab truffle grilled cheese sandwich that all of them, uh, I did them in my kitchen. So I'd know what I was writing about. I did not do this with the sniper books. I want to tell you. <laughs> I'm very grateful. We wouldn't, that, we, we I, wouldn't be talking to you today. John. I just, that's right. I didn't do that stuff. I just wrote about it. But the cooking part, I actually went through it myself so I'd know what I was doing. Brilliant. In, in, in the book, one of the, the things that you discuss, the, the, the chef character discusses how everything you cook reveals everything you are. What, what does that mean? And, and how does it, I guess, apply for people that you know, can't yeah. cook, won't cook? <laughs> So everything you cook reveals everything you are. You know, it's sort of like what you write reveals what you are. It's how you keep your house reveals how you are. How you greet people at the door at your restaurant um, really speaks volumes about what's going what's gonna to be the quality of service. It's that, that wonderful Buddhist expression which crops up in the book, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. And so one thing the boy discovers is that is that um, when you cook a dish, you don't just go through the physical motions of following a re- following a printed recipe or a set of instructions to mechanically produce this product. That actually your mood, your atmosphere, your personality, um, what you're even going through, your experiences right now, and how you're experiencing your life shows up in the food. If if you if you cook. The food, if you're angry when you cook the food, the chef says, then you're, you're, the people are going to be eating an angry dish and they're going to feel angry. Now, you don't want to get too woo-woo about this, but, but there's a lot to that. I mean, you transmit, there's an essence to everything you produce and you communicate that to people, which is why every business is fundamentally about people. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I'm going to, I need to ask you a question because just listening to you, um, you know, to talk to me today and, and with the listeners and it's almost kind of re-bringing back a memory of mine so you you have this certain tonality uh, and way of talking and delivering sentences and words um i i didn't realize until just now but i i'm, I'm thinking that you um forget the terminology now my brain's gone the all the traveling um but you with the the when i listen to the go-giver are you read were you the reader of the the audio program of the go-giver 
the the all of the Go Giver books. There have been three so far. We have a fourth coming out next year. Wow! Uh, and uh, uh, all of them, Bob and I co-read on the audiobook version. So we 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 actually alternate, taking turns, chapter by chapter. Bob reads wow. chapter one, I read chapter two, he reads chapter three, I read chapter four. Amazing. The uh, we have a lovely. We're gonna this December. We'll sit down in the studio together and read the book that's coming out next April. Um, the uh, the the recipe. I did all myself. It's I did the whole audio. So this is what my next question. There is going to be an audio book version as well, so people can yes. listen, listen on that. That's amazing. You know, I hadn't noticed. Yep. I mean, I really loved speaking with Baba, an amazing guy as well. And Great voice. Yeah, but I hadn't hadn't really noticed or connected him to the the audio program of the Go Giver. Like I like I just have you listening to you now. So, but yeah, I was going to ask if, if it's this uh, the recipe is going to be in the audio. So that's yes. great. That's great. So another one of the chef's rules is pay attention to the little things and the big things tend to take care of themselves. What, what does he mean there? And, and how can people apply that to their everyday life out of the kitchen? You know, here's an example in writing, um, because writing is the craft that I'm involved in right now. And I naturally go to that, but it applies anywhere. You know, you could write, you, you could, you could write, he walked into the room. Okay, that, that could be okay. But look at that word walked. What if, what if you said he strode into the room? He slipped into the room. He marched into the room. He snuck, he slunk into the room. I mean, how many ways are there? What, what verb can you use in the place of walked that's going to convey volumes more about what's really going on there? Now, it's only one word. It's only one word. But I'll spend a little while thinking about that word. Here's the thing, though. I, I think it was, I think it was, um, not, not Fitzgerald, it was, um, 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 I'm, I'm spacing on the word, just like you said you were doing. <laughs> uh, I, I forget which, which great author, Hemingway it was. Okay, there we go. Hemingway. Hem, Hemingway, who, who said, this is not a direct quote, but a paraphrase, that uh, only an idiot thinks he can sit down and write a masterpiece. You can't sit down to write a masterpiece. You can't sit down and say, I'm going to write a great book. You can't try to write a great chapter. All you can do is do your best with this sentence. You can say, what you can do is you can sit down and say, okay, this verb, what really works? I believe so, he said. Is it he said or he declared or he, he drawled? You can play with your verb. You cannot you know, sit down, as I said, to write a great book. You can't sit down and create a great business. What you can do is you can sit down and say, how will we greet customers on the phone? Yeah. All you can do is little things because all you have is this moment. So to me, life is de delivered, is created by big decisions manifest in tiny actions and little things. And that's you know, in the kitchen, it's it's uh, delivered in the context of cuts, cutting vegetables, cutting vegetables in little pieces that are almost identical in size and shape. And the boy, Owen, is wondering, does it really matter? It, it's all that matters. The, the height of the flame, the size of the vegetable piece, the sharpness of the knife. Yeah, the, the motion of your arm, the placement of your fingers. The little things is really all you can control. But if you can control those really well, you can you can move the world. That's the slight edge, of course, of course. Uh, in, in essence. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love reading this book and, and listening to the audio. I mean, being an, an ex-chef myself, although many years ago, ah. um, I, I kind of stumbled. I went from pot wash to 
to sous chef to second chef to running the kitchen. I had no idea. No, That's I was, fascinating. I was uh, from from age seventeen. I was I was running a, running a kitchen, a, an a la carte menu in a in a a, um, a small village called Stilton, just outside Peterborough. Most people have heard of Stilton cheese. And, and that's uh, it was uh, it was made in Melton Mowbray, um, but the family were connected to the the um, I think it was the Bellin Hotel and, and and pub back in the day, and they used to wow. sell Stilton cheese from Melton Mowbray for the travellers that were going sort of up and down the what was the old A one. Um, so yeah, no, that's A1. yeah. Is A one the oldest oldest road in in uh, UK? I, well, I believe so because originally it was built by the the Romans to connect yeah. London to York. Um, that's so it's I believe it. You know, obviously it was a straight road because that's that's how they worked. Um, yeah. I mean, wow, it's it, it's it's ever changing, like all roads around the world, I guess. As we 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 have more and more cars that grace the planet, but um, but yeah, so it's I'm, I'm really fascinated about. Um, getting my hands on, on a copy of this book, you know, more so um, because, you know, being a, an, an avid reader of many of your books and, and, you know, now being aware of, you know, the start of my own personal development journey. And I really do hope our readers can, you know, embrace some of your philosophies um, and how you've tried to get them across. I mean, well, not tried successfully um, throughout your, your career and, and still to this day. So, so one, one more statement that the chef discusses, he talks about excellence is, is not greatness. Uh, greatness is excellence plus honor. Um, what what what's the kind of the story or the message behind this? In I guess well, I, in in and out of the kitchen. You know, it's funny. I I just go back to the Go Giver for a moment because the Go Giver is based on these five laws of stratospheric success. And when Bob and I began the book, we didn't have five laws of anything. We didn't have <laughs> five. Period. That was. Um, I, I've always loved the number five. It's part of my, partly my musical background, partly my philosophical background, but I, I had a feeling it would be five something, but I didn't know what. The fifth law of the go-giver is the one that people always come back and say, wow, that's the one that really made me have to think. Mm -hmm. um, and I won't reveal what that is. Readers can get that on their own. But the point of it is we didn't know what that was until we were you know, well on our way through the book. It kind of it, We discovered it in the same way that the readers discover it, in the same way that Joe, the character, discovers it. This was something like that with the recipe. Um, these seven rules, uh, and by the way, where that came from was Chef Charles actually has rules of the kitchen. They're not seven, there's 20 or so. He has printed <laughs> on a little card that he has all of his employees carry in their pocket. I mean, he, that's an actual thing. So we are, of course, going to make a card available on our website with these seven rules of the kitchen on it. Um, and in the back, the, the recipe for living. But I, I knew there were seven rules, but I wasn't sure what they all were when we started writing the book. And so a lot of this sort of came out in the process of writing and drafting and revising. And this one is, is, is right at the end. And where it came from for me is, you know, part of it is, is from just chef and who he is. He'd been very involved with the military and that's a whole another story that, that, you know, that we'll write about elsewhere. But, um, I had this book with Brandon Webb, our first book together called The Red Circle, which is Brandon's memoir, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's our, our most well-known book. It was a very successful book, and it was our first together. And it, it, it's a story that, it, that it's, it's a big book, and the last two pages are what everyone talks about when they, when, they, when they write to me about the book. And the basic message of the book is boiled down in those last two pages, which comes down to two words, excellence matters. It's all about excellence top quality, do, being the best in the world, doing something really, really well. 
Um, it's what Brandon and I bonded around is doing things excellently. And I published that in a blog post and a reader wrote in and said, you know, I really disagree with you. I was like, what? He said, yeah, excellence is like, you know, Hitler was excellent at what he did. And I was like, yeah, I understand, but that's not what we're saying. And, and so I give this whole defensive explanation, but his words stuck with me. And lo and behold, I'm near the end of the recipe, and because there's a lot in the recipe that is about excellence. There's a whole principle of the seven that, that's number six is all about excellence. But, you know, it's, it is more than that. Being excellent. I, I, I used to play cello, as you know, and I, I had an ensemble once um, in, in school. We were playing uh, Brahms' piano quintet, F minor. It's string quartet plus piano. And our first violinist was this young kid from Hungary who was brilliant. He was technically, he was ready to be a soloist. He could play anything. And it was awful playing with him because he had, he played with no soul. He couldn't listen to the other players. He couldn't blend in with the other players. He would get things totally wrong because he was playing from his head and he didn't know how to play from his heart. He was a player who was excellent, but had no honor. And in the book, honor is about respect. It's about respect for who you're with, your colleagues, your customers, your clients. On the field of battle, it's even respect for your enemy, which is, which is a critical thing. It's a thing that, you know, that, 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 that warriors of old always knew about and warriors of today even understand about. It's about respect for each vegetable, each plant, each animal, that you're, whatever you're cooking. Uh, and that's what takes excellence and elevates it into a whole nother dimension, into a whole nother sphere. It's not just about getting wealthy, for example, doing a business really well so that it turns a profit. It's about making a difference. Yeah. It's not just about doing something well, it's about doing something for, for a great reason. Mm-hmm. So that's really what that principle is about. No, I, I love that. And again, sits really well with me. I think when, you, when your passion is greater than yourself, um, you can certainly have a, a real positive impact. And you know, I'm a firm believer if, if you're passionate about something, you can become excellent at it. But I, lo- I love this philosophy of you know, excellence plus honor. I think it's really important um, yeah. and sits well at the, uh, you know, at the core of having really good values and, and integrity in all you do. So obviously you, you, the, the book's written, the audio's ready, you know, we, we're in the pre-sale time. You know, what is it that you hope that the people of the world and you know, our listeners and, and people that are connected with you will, will actually get from this book? Because I know you do make loss a central part of the book as well, because I've, I've you know, heard and discovered that a lot of people have got the box of tissues out because of the emotional response <clears throat> and reaction to that. How, how, why is that? And, and what do you hope people are going to gain from this, this book, John? Well, yeah, you mentioned the tissues. I mean, clearly, one of the things it's sort of it's sort of a sequence here. The, one of the first things I, I hope is that people are touched by the story, that it that it reaches them emotionally. Um, that's 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 got to happen yes. before anything else. Before for anything else to happen, that's got to happen. So so far, I've been really gratified because a lot of early readers, as you say, have been coming back and saying I, my favorite review of the book so far was an email I got from from a friend of mine who's a registered nurse, and she she wrote, she wrote this email that said, "OMG, just finished, uh, sobbing, uh, snot everywhere, ran out of tissues, people are staring." Hashtag I love this book. <laughs> <laughs> she was sitting at the beach on the Jersey Shore, sobbing her eyes out on the beach while everyone was staring at her. And I just, I just, I think it's wonderful. So I, I hope that it touches people. Um, I hope that people, of course, get something from it that that they can 
apply in their lives, whether it's about the power of a mentor, whether it's about this principle of, of excellence plus honor to strive for, whether, I mean, there's so many individual messages or, or, or principles that people could take from the book. Um, what, what I hope that it, that it becomes a conversation, that it really creates a buzz and becomes, um, becomes a conversation all over the world. I, I've long ago stopped caring about whether my books get on the New York Times bestseller list, which used to be the you know the gold standard of, w- of whether a book works or not. Uh, the Go-Giver never hit the New York Times bestseller list. It sold a whole lot more copies than a bunch of books I've written that did hit the New York Times bestseller list. The numbers um, you know, are important, but the numbers don't say it all. What really says, says it all is impact. I have a, I have a personal goal which is that we have a hundred reader reviews on Amazon, um, the the day of launch, which I, is unheard of. I've never had that happen. So I'm just for fun. That's what I'm trying to make happen, and we'll see if it works. Hey, well, uh, you put it out into the universe, and um, you know we've certainly got a big following of of avid ind- individuals, entrepreneurs, business owners that that are passionate about you know developing themselves because it's you know it's the inside that creates the outside, as we know. Um, yes. So, um, hey, guys, look, re- leaders, readers, <laughs> um, listeners, let's um, let's be a part of, um, of of making this come true. Look, John, I, I'm I'm forever grateful for your time. Um, you know, it's been really exciting for myself to have the opportunity to to talk with you after reading many of your books and being inspired um, over the years. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just absolutely sensational. So look, I'm really grateful. Guys, um, I, I'm sure you've really enjoyed John's show today. John, but before before we let you go and in, enjoy your your afternoon in, in the, uh, the New England countryside, which looks beautiful, by the way, um, the recipe for living. Uh, you mentioned you're going to put something on the website with the seven rules um, in, within the book to live by and then the recipe for living. Is there, what are you going to put on that card? Is that something that you can share or is it something that people discover whilst they're reading the, the recipe itself? The recipe for living, I think it's, it's, it's something you, you, you uh, it, it's probably too big of a mouthful to share right here, but it's, it is, it's the rules in the kitchen, the practical rules in the kitchen, and they all come from real chef experience. They all come from Chef Charles' Olympic chef experience that translate into um, a code for living, uh, sort of like the chivalric code, a code for living um, that could fit in the back of a card. And in fact, it will fit in the back of a card once I get that card done. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, again, thank you very much for your time. And um, I'm really grateful. Uh, Guys, um, get over to uh, John uh, David Mann's website, you know, get linked into his blog. Um, get over to, to Amazon. Um, let's uh, order a copy of the recipe. I'm really excited about getting a copy myself. Uh, and John, thank you very much for giving us some of your time today. Uh, the Passion to Succeed community and myself are, are very, very grateful. Um, and we wish you a really exciting day and, and weekend. Thank you very much. Ah, Thank you so much. From New England to Old England, I say hello and thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media. Then subscribe, rate and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe and join the community of passionate people.